in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. everyone welcome to another brand new live episode of the top 10 show here for our ten dollar and above patrons mm-hmm. access to it early i am uh, john roca i am matt nost and we are excited to, to see everybody here today and also for those listening out there on uh, tuesday or whenever you happen to hear this hope you're doing well hope you're good uh yeah. dude yeah craven the hunter announced. I didn't know that was on the horizon. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that. I, I, I like the casting as well. Aaron Taylor Johnson's a great choice. You had to go young. You weren't going to be able to go and get like, you know, George Clooney or somebody to go and do this thing. You had to go young. And Aaron Taylor Johnson is a great choice for it. I like his look. I like his energy. I like his. Uh, sure. His, I like the look of his. Uh, I like his sm- smell. Uh, maybe we'll get an apartment later uh, after this is all over. No, I, I, I just, I just really like overall what he brings to the table. Of course, we saw him what as Pietro, and we saw him in Kick Ass. So this will be what his third superhero movie that he's going to be a part of. Yeah, so uh, that's this true. looks awesome. Um, so what, what's the scent like? Is it musky? It's kind of it musky. Like a- Okay. Is there any kind of floral undertones or of like a vanilla mixed in there just to give a subtle sweetness in the mix of this this scotch barrel that he's got I going? Think, unless jungle leaves are, are got a smell to them, I think that's sure the only thing you're going to smell when you put that cologne on, I imagine. Vanilla is grown in Madagascar. so <laughs> All right. I, I accept vanilla. Amongst other vanilla. places, but uh, it's in the right <laughs> region potentially <laughs> to have that happen i love that i love that uh i, I want to tell everybody but as we go along too here as we talk about this craven situation uh i am uh had ish i'm having issues with my internet so i'll be kind of freezing and fr- so enjoy my weird faces as we go along yeah. with the show but you know but aaron taylor joss is in incredible shape as well you know you've seen the pictures of craven he's wearing essentially a cheetah leggings and he's got a like lion open vest for his chest He's I mean, got I, that little beard. Yeah, uh, I certainly hope. I certainly hope they don't do that open V-neck. That's yeah, not. You don't think so? Okay. That's All a comic right. book only. <laughs> There's a lot uh, of costumes and whatnot that are comic book only because if they're translated to big screen, it looks utterly ridiculous. Yeah, that's true. That's a very good point. Like Power Girl. Look, Power Girl would be hot in person, and I've seen some cosplays of Power Girl, and those those women are absolutely beautiful who who dress up as Power Girl. But you do that. In a movie, people are going to lose their minds, you know. So, oh. yeah, it's, it's some of those things just don't transfer over. You're absolutely right with that. Yeah, they don't. Well, because yeah. you have to put them in, like, photorealistic superhero garb. Whereas yeah. if you just straight translated the 80s X-Men of blue and gold, it would look ridiculous because they're in leotards. Yeah. As far as we can tell. It's a good point. Yeah, And yeah, it yeah. kills it, but it's a comic book. You can't add that much detail. It'll take forever. Right. Right. Uh, That's a good point. A good yeah. Point. So you just kind of, even though something like that, because when they do homages to it in the movies, it still throws me, it pulls me out of it and going, oh, I see what you're doing. But right. Just 
that that's one that I don't feel you really need to adhere to personally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, but I like it. I like the choice. We'll see where it goes and what um, what they end up doing with it. And if they're going to be kind of making this jump into the MCU, mm-hmm. you know, we saw Michael Keaton in the end of the Morbius trailer. So Michael Keaton was in that Spider-Man movie as that character. So he's officially part of MCU canon. Does this mean we'll start to see someone like Tom Hardy eventually slide on over and, you know, uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson here. And will Aaron Taylor Johnson share the screen with Elizabeth Olsen as a completely different character? And will they have a meta moment where she says, you look familiar, you look familiar or something. Quite possibly. I wonder, I wonder if they'll play around with that. I guess it just how grandiose the plans are. If Venom yeah. two is successful, Tom Hardy is getting introduced to the MCU in any kind of way, shape or form. I would think so. Yes. Yeah. So they're going to bring in Craven the Hunter if if they eventually get into a crossover event with Scarlet Witch down the line and another Avengers, you know, team up uh, quite possibly. But the idea of Craven, great villain, perfect for Spidey, something new. No one's ever seen it. Uh, You know, you've got storylines to pull from that you like his like Last Hunt. Uh, Last Hunt's great. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I, there's just a lot of possibility here as opposed to saying, hey, it's Green Goblin. All, right. <laughs> All over again. Great. All, oh, Green yeah. Goblin. Or Hobgoblin. It's like to the average person, that's the same fucking thing. <laughs> and I love that Spider-Man had two very, very similar foes. <laughs> that's a great point. Yeah, they just wanted a new color scheme. They didn't have as much toys to blame at that point because you could say you got to do a refresh on the line. You right. Know? Right, like absolutely. when G.I. Joe movie suddenly there's this snake reptile people that have existed all along, and that's who Cobra Commander is, and it ties it all back in. And you're like, well, this is clearly just to sell toys. Cobra Commander! Yeah, I tried watching that uh, first hour of that G.I. Joe movie with Joseph Gordon Levitt as Cobra Commander. It's still as bad as I remember it. It's still as absolutely oh, horrible as I remember it. The live action? I, yeah, I can't. The live action one. I can't. That Snake Eyes movie, I haven't seen the trailer. I do not want to see it. They Those have been just. God awful. Wow. So you don't want to see that one. You, you don't think maybe they figured it out and they Fuck got it right? no. At this point, <laughs> no. The first one was awful. Uh-huh. And the second one was, I mean, it was just as bad in different ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the first one, at least there was expectation of, they've kind of been doing this. This could be interesting. Right. And it was so generic and... Yeah. Oh. Uh, it was like knockoff okay. Michael Bay. Ooh. That's a strong. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. Actually, yeah. Um, you know, like, I don't want to. I don't want to give away too much. But I saw a Quiet Place Part Two this week at an early screening. Give away nothing. I give away nothing except that it's as damn good as the first one, if not okay. better. And all. And I had no idea. Speaking of Michael Bay, that his Platinum Dunes. I guess I had forgotten or had no idea. His Platinum Dunes is involved in the production of those movies. So I was kind of shocked by that because I haven't been the biggest fan of what they've done with some of their horror stuff. But this one, they seem to have really got right. Yeah. Uh, twice now. So that's well, maybe I'm... it was just seeding control to Krasinski and blunt. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe I, I don't know. Sat I don't him know. Down and was like, don't fuck with my shit, man. This is what I'm doing with the movie. Be- well, because I don't watch horror. So it's saying that production company, unless it's Bloomhouse, I don't know what it is. Oh, platinum dunes. Yeah. 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 Platinum dunes. I didn't know that was Michael Billy Bay affiliated. I'm sure I, I know some of the titles of movies, yeah. they put, but I've never seen them because I don't watch horror. 
but at least right. Bloomhouse like is elevated above and they've made some stuff that has been huge. Yes, that's for sure. Um Blumhouse has certainly got yeah, I've seen two of the purges. Pile. Yeah. Okay. And then I did watch the trailer for that new purge and that just Nah. <laughs> it's, it's so stupid. Well, it's a bit you're violating the entire tenant of the premise. Yeah. It's like, oh, this time the purge, it's every day. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now you're just talking about regular society because that's what it was supposed to nix, and that's what made the idea interesting and unique. Uh... <laughs> so it was like, oh man. Mm. This is I mean, you are squeezing every last dollar you can out of this, apparently. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Well, it's turned into Jason in space. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, we're already out of ideas. Fast is on nine. Come on. <laughs> you you can do it. Put it together, man. Put it together. Yeah, yeah, get yeah. It, so. Yeah, get it to fucking together, guys. But anyway, so yeah. Platinum Dunes. Platinum Dunes is they, yeah, I guess they've done the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles reboot and then the, uh, the, the, the I think they did the Nightmare on Elm Street one and they've done some of the Texas okay. Chainsaw Massacre ones that have been the reboots. Um, All right. I saw the first. Yeah, I saw the nightmare. Yeah, I didn't hate that as much as everybody else. With uh, what's this, Jackie Earl Haley? Right. Yep. That was the one, Jackie Earl. Yeah, yeah. But turtles, I've never seen all the way through. I've seen bits <sighs> and pieces. Uh, yeah, that's all I heard. Both. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, I, I was so disappointed with that because I was like, Michael Bay, Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, Transformers worked for me. Let's see what they got here. And then nice you watch qualifier going, at the end there <laughs> worked for me. <laughs> well, I can only go by it my did. own. It did. I, yeah, I can't denigrate you for it. Sometimes that shit works. Yeah. And I was There's like, a reason yeah. the formula is so successful. Yeah, uh, watching it did not work for the turtles. It was frustrating to watch. I, I just oh. couldn't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway. Yeah. Dan so Marley what's new? Saying, he said those Bay produced horror movies are not good. I'll tell you what's, what's new. Stop spinning on and pouring popcorn on NBA players. Just uh, the Matt worst. Knows. What the, the fuck is going Look, I get now, that it's Philadelphia. I get it. It's Philadelphia. I was born in Philly. I wasn't raised in Philly, but I was born in Philly. I get it. Totally understand. Kind of a city. I, I know the kind of hardness that city is. But And they threw snowballs at Santa Claus. But this kind of shit, like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, When they threw the beer at our test, I thought that was too far. Of but course it was too far. The popcorn stuff, like, at this point, like, when our test ran into the stands, I was of that age where I was like, oh, dude, you don't do that. But now, like, I'm at this spot now where you see this kind of anger and resentment that the fans seem to have towards these players. Uh, and it's the black players. You don't see them spitting on the white players or going after the white, uh, do, uh, pouring popcorn on them. It's always the black players, Trey Young, Russell Westbrook. And I know the NBA is predominantly, I get that, but still, oh, wow. they don't go after those players in the same way. No one's going up to Doncic and like pouring a slice. That's what I was about to say. Listen, yeah. <laughs> find me a white superstar. In the league, and then we'll have this discussion, which it's not quite Doncic yet because he always has a smile on his face, even when he's complaining to the refs. Right, 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 right. Like he seems like a jovial, likable guy, whereas yeah. Trey is fully the spitting on to me is way worse. Oh, yeah. It's not even close. There is the popcorn is bad. Yes. But you should have done it to Westbrook, especially since it looked like in the crowd that they were, you know, applauding him for his effort. And, yeah, he, was and he was off injured. The, yeah. He was walking off injured. Injured. Dude. Yeah. So that's where it's just like, man, f- fuck you. Yeah. Fuck you. But the spitting on is there is no room, no call for that whatsoever. Yeah. Although I got to admit, 
when I didn't know what Trey was saying at the end of game one, I was like, you fucking little punk. And then I found out what he was saying in regards to them saying F you, I don't know yeah. why I'm cleaning it up now. F you Trey young. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, you know what? I like that. I do like that. Yeah. And then the next game afterwards, like I'll see you in the a after they lost because they're the Trey young's balding was the chant. Then that's fun. <laughs> and he loves every second of it. And oh, it's perfect. Yeah. You know, it's just a beautiful marriage. And yeah. as much as he frustrates me to watch, that is that is fun. I'm glad that's back. I love seeing the Knicks interesting again. It makes me so yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this uh, certainly showed up again. But I mean, at some point, we're gonna cross that line. And I personally don't think that player should be punished. I personally think that player should be absolutely vindicated and should not be in any way punished by the league because the league at some point has to take responsibility for this. And certainly Russell said, dude, this is getting out of hand, especially for him. Remember, he's been called the N-word by those people in Utah. Yeah, that incident, yep. in, uh, another incident as in well Philly. Alert, in Philly, was- right? So there was like these incidents that are building up and he's just frustrated because he's kind of, he's that kind of player that no. he is. He is just a rage monster who who is incredible on the court and people just get infuriated by it. They go crazy. Um, and do these have these moments? And I'm sure they say some of the most horrible shit if you were in the stands. In fact, I think people should record the audio in the stands of every game and let you see really what these players experience on a nightly basis in that league from some of these fans and what they have to endure to play the game. And you, say, oh, you, you know, paid millions. Fuck off. Money doesn't mean shit when you're getting like completely destroyed by for, these people. For a guy that predominantly gravitates towards movies that for the the fight for the little guy and whatnot, (laughs) you just, you just, uh, 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 argued in favor of a police state at games where everybody is recording everyone else in an Orwellian sense. So everybody has to be on their best behavior. And they're like, okay, just for the game. seems a little excessive just for the game. Just, just for the just game. For the game. That's, it's the game. totally, totally. Just like, just like the Dark Knight. I'm going to destroy the technology as soon as it finishes. Sure. It sure. That's good, totally going to happen. As opposed to listening in and seeing what people liked about the game and didn't, what merch sold, what didn't. That's cool. That's all. That's great. Have no, that that's not. That's not. That's mining my personal, you know, it's mining my privacy. Uh, what privacy do you expect in a game? You, it's a to not be recorded arena. at all times. It's I expect pub- that kind of privacy. Cameras at the game. That's fine, but they can't hear every word that I'm saying at all times. <laughs> that is utterly different. That is a document for history that no one ever intended. Know, I'm just saying, you know. Uh, <laughs> I know what you're saying. Look, man, it's, it's control, not right. Man. It's That's not. But the, with the, I, you got to take it with the Westbrook too. I've seen clips. The dude on the baseline in the Philly game. It was like last year, or the year before, and he stands yeah. up. He's this overweight guy, and he's first or second row yeah. underneath the backboard. And Westbrook does something, and it's to the you know, the right of the backboard down on the baseline. This dude stands up, goes red-faced, and just screams, Hey, Westbrook, fuck you, double birds. And yeah. he's screaming so loud, he turns bright red. Yeah. Looks like he's going to have an aneurysm. And Westbrook was like, whoa. <laughs> he turned to the ref and was like, what are we doing about this? And that was a perfectly reasonable <laughs> 
I've seen other clips though, where he's walking off and it's from somebody standing on the tunnel. And they're like, Hey, Westbrook, fuck you. And he's like, you want a piece of this? And they're like, my bad. <laughs> exactly. So that's what I'm saying. These guys think they can say this shit and then nothing's going to happen to them. True. Well, I think someone should, I think the players should run in there with a baseball bat and handle some business. I, yeah. you know, not literally obviously, but I think they should absolutely be allowed if that moment happens and it's going to happen. They keep pushing the limits, Matt. It's going to happen. One player is just going to snap. You know, yeah. I know, but Westbrook's engine always runs hot anyway. It does. It does. You're right. So it does. it does. But I think he's more so the theatrics of it, to be perfect. Yeah, honest. I think a little bit. I was thinking that too. Like, as it, there was four guys around him, and yeah. no way was he going to push through the four guys. Or if he really wanted to push through the four guys, he could have. He could have. Like, he could have punched them all in the nuts and then run through them and jumped into the stands or whatever. But that's suspension, and he's out for the playoffs. Like, he's out. Yeah, exactly. Any chance the Wizards have of taking even one game. Tarnishes his reputation and his legacy and all that stuff. And he was never going to run into the stands because everything else you read about him off, like when he's off the court, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Everyone says that. Yeah. Yeah. Comes back to Los Angeles and does stuff like within the community, and he's got charities that uh, that work with uh, the community, and it's, like, it's incredible. This guy's, yeah. but when he steps onto that court, it is it is on. So it is go time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're just, and I think that's why also fans gravitate towards him. He's a star, and you can rile him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I agree. The stuff in Utah is just heinous. Yeah, yeah. But I just think I, I I want to say this correctly because uh, you know I think he, he just radiates a strength that uh, irritates a lot of people. Just irritates a lot of people. I know what you know. He has that. He, he has whatever how he however he handles himself, the things he says or how he looks or whatever, just seems to kind of really rattle some people. But the Trey Young thing, I mean, this is New York getting out of control, and so I mean, I they need to out these people, say their names, show their faces. They, like LeBron even tweeted that he goes, "We need the names." We need faces. Enough of this nonsense and blah, blah, blah. So, because God knows how much LeBron has taken over his, uh, what, two, two decades in the league. Lord knows how much he's taken yeah. uh, in terms of verbal abuse and, and comments. And, uh, like, I, I like the Blake Griffin route where he, you know, pretended that he didn't know there were Golden State fans behind him and threw ice on him uh, when he was on, when he was playing for the Clippers. I thought that was, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. That's playful. That's fun. It's done. It's over with. You know, I hear you. Here's your response. If you keep going further, this will escalate, you know? Um, yep. I agree. I did, you know, I, I don't have much more to add yeah. to the overall because yeah, anything could happen. I don't think it will, but hypothetically anything could happen. And if the right person is provoked. Right. Yeah, coach. it could escalate. Could you see an NBA head coach doing that, climbing into the fucking stands? No. Who's who's so bombastic that they would do that? Yeah, I don't know if there's anybody anymore. There's not a single one. Yeah, I don't think. I think you're right. There's not a single. I could not see. And I was like thinking nope. of all. No, oh, they're all so fucking even keeled. Yep. Every one of them just standing on the sidelines and focused on the game in and of itself. Yeah. Like not distracted by whatever. I mean, maybe pop. Maybe pop, but it would it wouldn't be physical. It'd be more like finger pointing and in the sure. face. Oh yeah, well, we're talking about yeah doing something about it as opposed to yelling. Yeah, Latrell Sprewell and shit. Yeah, Ron Artest, hockey oh. in the seventies. Um, 
I went, I, I rewatched the Malice in the Palace a few weeks ago. It was apparently it was the anniversary or whatever. He didn't get a lot of hits in. Like there was a lot of swinging with him and Steven Jackson, but they only really connected what three or four times. It wasn't that many uh, connections in the swings, you know, because it's such a, it's a high stress situation. So it's no surprise. You're just swinging wildly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's, it was med, it was bedlam. It was bedlam. Yeah. And they have an HD version of it now where you can see like everything that's happening. It's like, wow. Will I watch that at some point? Of course I will. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, we're, we're, that's our kibitz. Uh, anything, uh, you want to touch base on before we roll forward, my man, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, well, we've got shout outs at the end of the show. So yeah. stay tuned to that, uh, for that rather. And, uh, today is a boss hog episode from, uh, David Mitchell Baker. So thank yes. you, sir, for the great suggestion. We chose of all the topics. It was box office bombs, but we're focused on movies that we felt should have been hits. Yes. Yes. Not celebrating the awful, celebrating the why didn't this type of thing succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a cool list. So thank you, David, for sending it. It's, uh, you know, I think we agreed one of those where how have we never done this before? Right. It seems like such a no brainer. Um, so, yeah, it was fun. It's a wide array of movies on my list. And I set some a certain couple criteria to make mine, but I don't know how you did yours. Yeah, I pretty much just looked at ones that I thought were going to be hits when they came out. And then okay. we're supremely surprised that they weren't um, and tried to pick from different uh, sections of, uh, of genres, different genres rather to see um, where I landed on those. So yeah, th- that's basically how I approach this thing uh, overall. Yeah. Hold on. Got to sneeze again. Okay. Well, it's a moment here to thank everyone who's joining us. Uh, Matthew Simmons, Josh Sachs, Dale Varley, Andrew Enns, uh, uh, yeah, there you go. Those are all the people that are joining us right now. There's 11 of you, but there's a few just chatting, and I appreciate it. It's always good for us to have a little fun chat there in the uh, in the uh, in the chat area. So uh, keep it coming. I'm sure you'll have some thoughts on some of the stuff we bring up mm-hmm. and where we fall on on the chain of this. Uh, so please uh, keep it going. Keep it. Keep talking about it. Uh, keep putting it together, and uh, we'll have some fun with it for sure. Um, all right, uh, Matt, how does the show work, my man? Uh, well, once David set a topic, we went off, made lists, come back here. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we've each revealed our personal top 10 lists, we create the shows between the two of us. Yeah. So, um, yes, I, I had two parameters when I looked at this, the same okay. thing as you, I thought it was, would be a hit. Now, how big a hit is something to be debated, but a right, hit. of course, a relative situation. Yes. And, um, uh, but if it actually lost money at the box office, mm. I tried to shoot at that just to winnow down the pool. Yes. Um, there's only one exception to that, but I guess with the undisclosed marketing budget, it lost so much money. It's it merited making the list. Right. Right. Um, and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm fine with that one. But I tried to do that where this is a movie we kind of expected to be a blockbuster and it got crushed at the box office. But I do have one exception to that. Okay. Uh, but that's, yeah, that's how I came to it. So I'll go ahead and start. Okay. Go ahead. Um, at 10, I've got Osmosis Jones. <laughs> okay. All right. Look, that, is, is that a, a good movie? Is it a good it, movie? It is yeah, entertaining. It. Okay. It is entertaining. All right. 
and it's a unique premise. It's a mix of of uh, small chunks of live action mixed with you know what's going on inside the human body. Yeah, and uh, it's when this came out, I was like, oh, that'll make one hundred and twenty million or something. Right. right. If all these others, um, I didn't see it in the theater. I eventually saw it, but that going into it, I was like, ah, oh, it's got a good cast, interesting premise. The animation looks good, looks fun. And it just didn't do anything at the box office. Just blown away by that. I assumed at the time it would do. It's a kids' movie with a good cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you just think no brainer, and it didn't succeed. And I, I was, you know, making this list. A few animation made it. That's why it's also a ten. Okay. Uh, I didn't expect it to make a quarter billion dollars when it came out, but I expected it to be profitable, and it right. lost money at the box office. Yeah. Um. You know, it's not like it was some of those terrible ones that have come out that, that have a cast and you're like, how did this get made? Um, <laughs> it's successful in the end. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so that's my 10. You uh, haven't yeah, seen it. I, I've never seen it. So I, I've always heard it was terrible. So I never saw it. Ah, terrible strong. But maybe I should I should see it. Maybe I get it confused with Pluto Nash, which I know is horrible. Yeah, uh, I've never kind seen of. That. Kind of a weird, similar premise, I think. Otherworldly kind of approach to things. No, 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 not at no, all. Not even okay. Osmosis Jones is this. So, Bill Murray's character works at a zoo. Okay, and um, you know, kind of, I guess, uh, for our times now, and he gets a, a virus in his body, and it's mm-hmm. then the medication teaming up with. Uh, the a white blood cell as a buddy okay. cop film to track down this virus in the body, and that's the cartoon. And who is the virus? Chris Rock? Who plays no, the no, virus? Chris Rock plays the white blood cell. Okay, David Hyde Pierce is the medication. I oh. think it's Lawrence Fishburne who plays Osmosis Jones. No, 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 he plays the villain. Okay, Osmosis Jones is Chris Rock. Oh, 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 okay, interesting. All right. All right. So it's like a it, it's a unique present uh, uh, pre- God yeah. blessed premise. Yeah. Um okay. Uh, who was the villain? Yep, Lawrence Fishburne. Fishburne, yeah, Thrax. Okay. Come on, William Shatner. Anytime you can get Kid Rock and Joe C in there, you do it. Uncle Cracker is in this as well. Thank God. Uh, and Ron Howard is in this as well. <laughs> what an interesting cast. It's a weird uh, cast, but I don't yeah. know. For the uniqueness of the premise, the animation's really good. It's an yeah. entertaining story. And it's the if Farrelly you got kids, I think it's watchable. Wow. wow. Okay. All right. All right. What's your number nine? My number nine. All right. So this was the exception on the list. I didn't okay. expect it to make huge money. Right, right. But uh, Richard Jewell? Yeah. Yeah. Great choice, man. Yeah, yeah. That's a... Uh, Excellent choice. Um, yeah. yeah, I got crushed at the box office. Yes, yes. And it was never intended to make, you know, $150 million, but to not right, even come right. close to covering your budget, which is going to be small on this anyway, because it was a Clint Eastwood film. Yeah. Uh, just surprising when it had buzz for Best Picture and all that. Although a lot of those, like I didn't include another movie that by rights, maybe it makes your list because mm. it did lose money, but I was like, ah. it came close to breaking even. And that's kind of what that movie was designed to do. Maybe make yeah. a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Richard Jules is getting crushed. And it's a, about the uh, bombing at the Atlanta Olympics and the guy that yeah. originally gets, you know, becomes the prime suspect in it, even though he had done nothing wrong. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's a portrayal of Jewel that uh, I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And uh, what is it? Paul Walter Hauser. Is that that dude's name? Yeah, what Paul Walter Hauser. Yep. Uh, I like him. So yeah. I want him to continue to work, and he was good in this, and uh, I, Tanya, yep. and uh, he's in something that just came out, didn't he? Yeah, he's damn good in Cruella. Cruella, he's, there you go. Yeah, he's fantastic in Cruella, playing a, a guy with a Cockney accent there, helping Cruella, yeah. Uh, yeah, I liked it. I liked the movie. I mean, I championed the movie when I was at Collider. I covered it. They used my quote. First time I ever got a quote used in the promotional mm-hmm. campaign of the movie, which was nice. Uh, and uh, I was one of those people that kind of pushed back on so many people complaining about the Olivia Wilde situation. They're like, oh, she's not here to defend herself. This woman who might have slept for us, slept with someone for a story like Olivia Wilde, who is such a, you know, like out there feminist who is taught, you know, her her film or her, uh, you know, buddy. Uh, what was the one with the two girls? Like she she had that. Yeah, book smart. Like th- this, she was these people. She's a director now. It could be, she's out there. So, do you think mm-hmm. she was going to take a role where it seemed like it was denigrating a woman? And don't give me this thing of like, oh, people got to work. Bullshit. Olivia Wilde's fine. She's doing fine. And so, this idea that she would just take a role that would be offensive to women or denigrate women, mm-hmm. I just never understood the logic in that whole situation. And people went up. And I think it's because a lot of liberal critics, a lot of liberal people in, in Hollywood, like are mad because Clint Eastwood is a Republican. He's, he, I don't know if he's a MAGA guy, but he's a Republican. And I think some of them let their personal feelings bleed into their reviews of this film. And I think that's why they crushed it because it's a damn good fucking movie. And Paul Walter Hauser is excellent as Richard Jewell. It's an indictment of the media. It's an indictment of people who uh, use their platform to yeah. go after uh, you know regular hardworking Americans. And that does happen. On both sides of the political fence, but by the way, both sides, it happens. You see the media kind of vilify regular Americans who are working and not trying to be bobbleheads on TV. And certainly this this movie shows you how it can destroy a a person's family and a person's life. And uh, it is it is incredibly powerful and moving. And Kathy Bates and Hauser are incredible in the film. They really are. And Rockwell being frustrated with him over and over again. Yes, Rockwell is great, too. Yes. And his eventual wife, who's his secretary, mm. uh, she's great. It's a, it's a nice little small kind of intimate drama in yeah. the scope of this much larger story of the Olympics and international attention. But yeah. to focus on the granular of how this affected one individual, it was interesting. Yeah. And yeah. The, I mean, it got crushed. I think it something like it, it made a quarter, not even, yeah. of yeah. its budget. Uh, Kathy, Kathy still got nominated, though. So certainly there were enough people who saw it to nominate her. Yeah, and Hauser was in the discussion. Hey, maybe he he's yeah. kind of. Um, all right. So anyway, that's my nine. Yeah. All right. What's your eight? My eight is Ed TV. Oh, okay. Go ahead, man. Well, it's McConaughey coming off of a string of likable movies that have done, you know, it cost 30 million. It did 120. Right, right. Type of so he's been a bankable somewhat star, and then leading up to Ed TV, uh, t- the fact that it lost so much money at the box office, this seemed like a nice you go and enjoy your Saturday, uh, and go see a nice movie, go out to eat type of yeah. something made for our parents, uh, but for our generation, like we could have gone and easily seen that, yeah. uh. And it just did not do well at the box office. And you had Truman Show right around the same time. The discussion, like the pop-off of reality TV, and this was one of the first that addressed that type of reality 
yeah. uh, TV where it's uh, the uh, real world or survivor or something that just follows on the day to day, but the camera is ever present. Yeah. Um, yeah. I Coming out, I, I figured it'd be another McConaughey. It does well enough. Everybody seems to like him. I like him. Uh, yeah. Even if I haven't seen a lot of his movies. Um, yeah. I was just surprised that Ed TV just did not do well. It's an excellent point you bring up, Matt, because it's Ron Howard. Yep. B, it's McConaughey on the come up. Uh, it's Jenna Elfman, who is a is at the height of Dharma and Greg. Mm-hmm. And it's Woody Harrelson, who is, of course, a do, had been establishing himself piece by piece throughout this thing. So you think this is a great, and this is a good movie. It's not a bad movie at all. No. And you think this combo of people, in essence, kind of crossing paths at the right time in terms of their fame and celebrity would have get, gotten more people into the uh, theater to see this one and for whatever reason truman show is the one that people ran to see maybe they weren't ready to see mcconaughey in a film like this maybe they'd seen enough of his kind of uh romantic comedy approach to this stuff but yeah. it's ron howard and you would think for sure ron howard would be the way to go or maybe we just hadn't seen enough reality tv to, yeah. to care to see from the perspective of the individual that's getting taped all the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we hadn't experienced enough yeah of it. Yeah, maybe that's a great point. Maybe yeah. this is one to look back and watch now in retrospect, and it, it holds even more weight. Yeah, it, you'd have more of an appreciation for it. And the manipulation of the television network. Most people assume Survivor wasn't scripted. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Good choice, yeah. man. I like it. Uh, so that's my eight. Okay. Uh, my number 10 is uh, Deepwater Horizon. That's a punt. Oh, okay. All right, fair. Flat out. Then uh, my number nine is Scott Pilgrim. That is also a punt. All right. Then my eight is Dread. That is also a punt. All right. Here we go. What's your seven? <laughs> uh, my seven is Warrior. Mm. I left it off the list because we've talked about it so much. So okay. please, if you, I, tried to, I tried to veer towards some of the ones we hadn't talked about that much. But yeah, go ahead, my man. Well, once you factor in lost money at the box office, yeah. it cuts off like a lot of what it sounds like it's more than likely to be at the top of your list. Mm, possibly yeah for me mm-hmm. i just that i'm not saying there's a right way or wrong way there were so many choices and be like why not just do this and then yeah narrows my choices down to 15 to 20 yeah. as opposed to 45 yep uh but i didn't expect it to be huge mm-hmm. but having seen it in the theater how this transcends just a simple sports movie yeah it's mma you know after the first crest of its height, so it's been riding high, and it's basically been on that. I don't know how big it is right now, but it seems like it's been roughly about the same level mm-hmm. for quite a few years now. Mm-hmm. So it's got a fan base. Um, Definitely, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. So all those things, it's captured somewhat of the public imagination. It transcends a sports movie. It's about a hot, hotter, new-ish kind of sport. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom Hardy on the come up. Yeah. Uh, of the two, he would be the bigger star of the two. Yes, yes. Um, I don't. It seemed like a recipe for success, especially having seen it in the theater. Like, wow, how is this not? Yeah, a huge hit, just a huge hit. Uh, yeah. It blew me away. Such a good movie too. But we, yeah, we have talked about it. I debated on whether or not to put it on, but once it made the criteria, I was like, well, it it only ranks at seven because I didn't expect it to do. Yeah, two fifty. You know. Yeah, I think that's a part of the reason why I didn't put it on the list either, Matt, is because I didn't expect it to do well because it's an MMA film. Regardless of what you put in it, it's still mm-hmm. an MMA film. True. And and I think people weren't ready to see this really gritty, 
exploration of an MMA film. Plus, you've got the military stuff kind of rolled into this. That's kind of a really complicated situation of whether this guy's a hero or not. And you throw in um, the fact that it's shot by Gavin O'Connor is not really that well known as a director amongst a majority of the pop culture amongst us who are film fans. We know who Gavin O'Connor is. We like mm-hmm. his work. Even mm-hmm. Tom Hardy. I don't know. You know, people know him, uh, you know, uh, for sure, but were they running out to see Tom Hardy led films? I mean, Locke probably didn't make that much overall. So it's only when he jumps to the big wow. franchises that he makes his money. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, like the drop didn't make much <laughs> either. And so he, 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 he tends to veer towards the smaller stuff. Do you know what true. I'm saying? Very so true. It's not people aren't going to run out and go see. He's not Tom Cruise or anything like that. No, no, no. Um, and I think that's where where the thing got dinged a little bit. And Joel Edgerton, not that well known at that time as well. Certainly now more well known as a director and actor, but at the time not so. But damn, it's one of those films that when you see it, man, it's like a precious fucking jewel. And you try to tell people about it as many yeah. people as you can because you want them to share the experience of it because it's so much more than just a quote mma film there's a lot going on uh in terms of the characters and the storylines for sure yeah i mean the 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 fighting is it's actually part of the story and that yeah it's all been building up to this so you need to see it in some regard but the catharsis and release at the end of it is find me another sports movie that does that and it's honest Mm -hmm. like that was honest you just don't kind of you don't see that within a movie and to counter your point I, i just think Yes, I agree with you. I never expected it to be huge, but right, to right. lose money, I was shocked by. Okay. Having seen it personally, and I'm not an MMA fan, so you just right. factor in, well, all those guys never get representation on screen, and this one's supposed to be really good, so it would drive out them. Yeah. So at least fucking go $10 million over its budget, for Christ's right. sake, right. but to not come close. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Okay. So that's my seven. Yeah, what's your six? My six is uh, the other semi-exception that I brought up earlier, but uh, Terminator Dark Fate. Yeah, I almost put that on the list, but it it it, it did make more than its budget, but not two and a half times, which is what you're supposed to do. So, yes, it, it made more, but it was like 10 million more than the budget. But, yeah, dude, I was this close to putting it on the list, but it's a great choice. Well, I think with the marketing costs and then... Mm-hmm. No, certainly. Um, Good point. You know, film companies accounting shenanigans so to speak it's projected that it lost somewhere like 100 to 110 million dollars and you're like you look at all the other in the series like genesis the uh arguably the worst and it did 400 and some odd million yeah 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 like it more than covered that's why they did another sequel uh Mm -hmm. and this one was so good and to know that this is the one in the entire series that loses a hundred to $110 million when we've had salvation, we've had Genesis, we've had T3. Mm -hmm. Like there's been a lot of dog shit for years, guys. This was good. (laughs) It's like Bumblebee. It's unfortunate that that's going to be the last or potentially one of the last types of those Mm -hmm. because it didn't make a bill. Right. Mother son of a gun. Yeah. Just taking away the good options. Uh, But yeah, once I read, I found that in more than one source that said it lost minimum 100 million yeah and and that's a, such a shame because it's a damn good movie it is and so many people complained about that twist uh, near the beginning of the film and i and i loved the twist i love yeah. the nuts of pulling that twist why not 
and I thought it was genius. And then and to see the performance. In fact, I'm watching Resident Alien right now on I'm catching up on it. That first season with Alan Tudyk, I'm enjoying yeah. it. Linda Hamilton shows up in the sixth she episode, does. and she I was does. like, "Oh my god, that's just awesome!" So it was great to see her like kind of slowly coming back. She's a damn good actress, so it's always good to see her popping up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if, if nothing else, it was great to see her in this film to be able to get to see her more in other stuff. But I, I think a lot of things uh, people had issues with this movie. I think the word of mouth about that twist really pissed off a lot of people. I don't understand that. Yeah, I I, I don't get it either. I mean, I, I just don't get it. It and takes I, it, it. You don't fall into the Star Wars saga trap. Yeah, where now everything has to be revolving around this one family. Right. Right. It's like now that's uh, the future changes. They've got, you've told us that so many times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like the adjustment of what happens with if you're going to bring back Schwarzenegger, bring him back in a way that makes sense. And I think this mm-hmm. was the best they'd ever brought him back since Terminator 2. And I love how they adjusted it. And it makes sense what they did with this character logically. So there are so many things to me that that uh, uh, make it stand out that it's so confusing to me that people have such a hate for it because it's arguably the best film they've made since Terminator 2 yes. in that franchise. Yes. And the action no sequences question. are awesome. The special effects are fantastic. Mackenzie Davis is great. Gabrielle Luna is great as that Terminator. Yeah. Um, I forget. I can't remember the lead actress, the Latina lead actress. She's great uh, when she's confronted with this situation and everything. And has so, to make a choice as to whether or not she's yeah. going to... Yeah. yeah. She makes... The right choice, yeah, and it feels you know good in the moment. Yeah, to the uh, Mackenzie, the enhanced human. You're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, as we graduate and try and counteract. Uh, oh, to go back to Resident Alien. Yeah, yeah. So, watch the whole season. Yeah, definitely. I, I'm enjoying it. By the end, I think Tudic is pitch perfect. He is fantastic. Yeah, I like the uh, deputy. She is yeah. amazing. And I like the uh, the woman that's the former skier that's a bartender, and they kind of have a thing. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. not really. She's a stand-up. She, I didn't know she was a stand-up. I went oh, back I didn't know that. I'd have stuff. to look it up. Yeah. Yeah. I think those three are easily my favorites. Okay. And then everybody else is like, yeah, you know, I understand why. You know, it, it's good. Hopefully, you grow more into the part or they figure out how to better write for you type of thing. Right, right. I think there's well, potential like- there. I like the Native American woman. I like a uh, who yeah. plays his assistant. I like her. I, I, you don't see a woman like that usually grab the uh, the second co lead in a series like this. Sure. So it was great to see yeah. her. Uh, kind her of, dad's uh, great. Get a chance. Oh yeah, her dad has been in a million things. I know. So, yeah, he's fantastic to see again. For uh, sure. I like the Native American. The, the Native American vibe to it really works for me as well overall. Plus, whatever wherever they shot that Matt, that looks like a fucking cool ass place to live, man. Uh, I mean, just I know if you can deal with the snow, it just feels yeah. like a cool ass place to live. A little downtown, it's like area. a small ski town. Yeah, that looks, dude. I'm telling you, it's where I'm going to end up with. We're just going to end up in a small fucking ski town. I'm telling you, wow. um, <laughs> just kind of shut everything away and fucking uh, spend the rest of the year. It's gotten so expensive. Age. Oh yeah, you're probably right. You're probably right. Uh, maybe what? the lottery or something. My parents just sold their place in Steamboat, which is hmm. a picturesque kind of ski town like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there are a few others in Colorado, like uh, Telluride. Yeah, Telluride, right? Is great. It's a beautiful little ski town, but yeah. the real estate co- prices have gone through the roof, <laughs> just like everywhere else. But two degrees, like holy hell! Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But those ski towns, they're fan- they're magic, man. Yeah, yeah. When you're there, and if you like snow, and it's snowing out, and 
the thing is when you're there, you're just like, yeah, you live in snow, you deal with it. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, I don't know, add to it overall. Uh, part, of anyway. what, part of why I'm enjoying is because of that vibe of that town. So, uh, yeah. So where are we at? Where are we at? Uh, was that your six? That was my six. Okay. So then my seven is Iron Giant. That's a punt. All right. Then my six is Grindhouse. Okay. Go for it. Yeah. So this film, I have no idea why this crashed and burned. I do not understand it. This is the, you could arguably the height of Tarantino uh, he is doing something really unique here with Robert Rodriguez, who, of course, had done had gotten his notoriety through the uh, Desperado series and through through uh, uh, Dust Till Dawn and all that. So I thought for sure these two guys coming together doing like this uh, this interesting experiment with two different films. I thought this would excite people uh, to no uh, um, end and mm-hmm. it would run. Plus the unique trailers in the middle, which are really funny. This was a whole experience, you know. And Kill Bill is very much an homage to those. 70s type of experience uh, martial arts movies that you would experience in the theater even that opening our feature presentation thing with the kaleidoscope of colors by that's all stuff you saw back in the 80s and 70s when you went to a movie theater so i thought for sure with grindhouse they were that people are going to be going on this train like crazy and it was mm-hmm. going to make so much money you had bruce willis you had uh you had uh, uh kurt russell uh, and all these great other actors like Mary Elizabeth Winstead as well. And a number of other, I think uh, Rose McGowan's and Freddie Rodriguez are in that other one. So you have all this interesting stuff going on with this movie and it absolutely tanked at the box office. And, and so much so that like uh, the people involved in it started pointing fingers uh, and yeah. saying, you know, and then they started to release them as separate movies and added the extra, apparently 30 minutes to each film that had not been there uh, in the original release of the whole Grindhouse experience. I just thought people were, were going to come in mass to enjoy Tarantino and Rodriguez uh, in a film like this or in an experience like this in the theater. And I couldn't have been more wrong. It was insane to see how bad it did uh, box office wise. See, that one wasn't a shock to me because that's the only Tarantino that's come out that I was like, I'm a hard pass on that. Yeah. See, I don't know why. Why were you a hard pass on that? Tell me. I, like, these are the reasons I'm trying to figure out, like why people were turned off by it. Rodriguez to me is more hype, okay, than what he's delivered for what I've seen. I like aspects of things, but I don't know that he's made a complete movie that I like front to back. Okay. Uh, and I'm not saying it's like oh, I only like one scene in this. Maybe I like it overall, but it's just like I do have problems in here and here and yeah. here. Uh, and just the, the grand house and it's two short movies jammed together. And it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Now it's a, to me, it was like, oh no, now Tarantino's doing an homage to theaters. Yeah. After doing homage to styles of movies, now we're doing it to <laughs> types of experiences, which is very fucking meta of you, man. Uh, yeah. But maybe you should have just done this at the new Bev since you fucking own it as opposed to, uh, but that's, just, I don't know. The, the concept of it seemed like a high concept, low reward type of situation and yeah. uh, I still haven't seen it. And clear and clearly it was, uh, but I just thought the name Tarantino would be enough to get people into the theaters uh to see so the producers. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, clearly. Clearly there were a lot of arguments apparently if you read some of the articles afterwards a lot of people were pissed. Some people felt that they should have released both of the films full uh runtime 
and still released it all as one. Some people thought they should have released the film separately. It was a big old to-do afterwards. I prefer the Tarantino uh, uh, film of the two. Shocking. Yeah, I prefer Death Shocking. Uh, <laughs> over, over, uh, over what uh, uh, Robert Rodriguez did with his film, which I can't remember the name of right now. But yeah, I prefer that over what he did. But, okay. uh, but I still think the Rodriguez film is watchable. It's funny. But you're probably right. I think you hit on something I hadn't thought about before. Uh, Rodriguez is a fantasist. And so in his movies, there are a lot of fantasy elements going on while he's trying to ground it in reality. There's mm-hmm. a lot of fantasy shit that you've got to let go of as you watch the movie or else you're not going to fully enjoy it. With Tarantino, uh, they're way more grounded in reality and the fantasy elements are in the dialogue, in the back and forth, in the conversations like where the like the thing about the the uh, the hood and his wife sewing the hoods and all of that that's the fantastical mm. uh, conversation that you have amidst a very real um scene yeah. although know? i think that's Tarantino where he has, gets to stick off a little bit Tarantino has the fantasy and they look at kill bill like showing up into when she shows up into that that just dojo of assassins yeah, at the club like people, that's a fantasy yeah. that does not happen but it seems right. realer than I guess it's what you're saying than, than what Rodriguez does. Yeah, I, th- I think built up to that moment where she's yeah. going to take off because she's been ki- killing everybody against the odds to get to this moment and her determination and her will are what's carrying her through. But yes, you're right. They, that is a fantasy moment, but it feels like he's earned that moment, whereas mm-hmm. Rodriguez just throws it in from the beginning. Yeah, Planet Terror. That's the name of it. Thanks, Dale. I appreciate Planet it. Planet Terror. Uh, yeah, but so, yeah, yeah. So that's why I was surprised by it. But all right, well, I'm curious to see since all my punts are probably in your top five, I've got five completely different movies clearly uh, in the top five. So this will be interesting for sure. Yep. Um, all right, what do you got? Uh, five is the first punt. Oh, actually, okay. before we get to my five, oh, yeah, yeah. Why don't we take a quick break and hear this brief word? From our sponsor. All right, welcome back. Yeah. There we go. Let's just jump in <laughs> to my number five, which uh, was the punt from earlier, which is Scott Pilgrim. Okay. So it lands at five of, I never, when they were releasing this, I didn't expect it, once again, mm-hmm. to make Buku Bucks. But I expected it to do enough to where it was profitable, for yeah. Christ's sakes. And it lost money. You watch it, and you're like, wow, this is tailor-made for so many different age ranges, because it's got... Uh, nice little winks to uh, 80s uh, video games mm-hmm. you brought in. It's a universal story. And it's also got the comic book element of all the fighting and whatnot. And it's this yeah. beautiful marriage of a bunch of different ideas that you hadn't seen coalesce together on screen like this. Right. So kudos to Edgar Wright. You made another new interesting thing. <laughs> it's got all the recipe to make money and it lost money at the box office. And that to me just flabbergasted me. Yeah. That's why it's at five. So, like, I didn't, once again, didn't think it was going to make 250 million, but. Right, right, right. It's an excellent movie that lost money at the box office. Doesn't make a lick of sense to me once you see the damn thing. I think that's one of the surprises I had when I was watching, because we, like I said, some people heard me on other shows talk about this. We went to see it at Comic Con. It was an incredible screening. People lost their minds at how much they loved the movie. And I thought, (laughs) this is going to make so much money. This is. This is totally tailor-made for the younger generation, for the video game nerds, for nerds in general. 
Uh, you've got uh, some. You got Michael Sarah, who is the, the you know the nerd prince. Mm-hmm. You've got Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Um, you've got Jason Schwartzman, who of course was the original nerd prince with Rushmore. So you've got these elements involved. Plus Edgar Wright, who people love that Cornetto trilogy. Yeah. I thought for sure this was going to make money hand over fist, and that when it fell apart, it was just shocking to me in terms of the box office. And they're still trying to make this movie happen, Matt. They just came out with a what is the tenth anniversary, I think, of it, uh, 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 as a way of opening the theaters in cities that had theaters that were opening. They had mm-hmm. screenings of Scott Pilgrim because people are still trying to make this movie happen, uh, and it's certainly an underground hit. But they want it to be a film that like becomes yeah. more of an un, uh, more of a, um, a mainstream hit, and it'll never achieve that, no matter how much they try. For whatever reason. People just don't feel uh, inclined at large numbers to go see this thing. Well, I think it's done enough in DVD sales and streaming and everything else over the years that they know that they have a fan base for it. Sure. How large Absolutely. that fan base is, they don't know yeah. exactly, you know, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could see a sequel to this or something else happening within this yeah. potentially again um, because it's done so well. It's kind of like Office Space. Yeah, didn't do well at all. But then once it gets over to the VHS DVD side, yeah. everybody realizes they enjoy the living shit out of it by and large, right? And it becomes a huge hit. That's how Sandler put out so many movies. His DVD sales were guaranteed to be excellent, no matter how good or bad the movie was. That Sandler gets to keep making movies, then guys. Yeah, that's how it works. Yeah, that's well, his box works. office was good enough, and then you throw in his DVDs sell. Yeah, yeah. It's like, this is a no-brainer. We're booking this dude. I don't care if you don't want click three. It's fucking happening. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. That's the shame. I still like Adam Sandler. After all those and all those movies I never saw or ever will see, mm-hmm. and I know that they were dumb on the outside looking in, but he didn't make them for me. Yeah. And well, I don't care. We were having a debate last night, uh, my girlfriend and I, about do we like, do we think Andy Samberg is more talented overall than Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler certainly, you know, created those films, was successful on the big screen, something Sandberg has not been able to do overall. Mm-hmm. But his songs at Lonely Planet, I would put them up against any of Sandler's music. Oh, and, yeah, that's not even right, close. To me. Right, and, then I, and, the, and I think Sandberg is a, is a... Well, I don't know if he's a more talented actor, but certainly... His Brooklyn Brooklyn Nine is a fucking great show, mm-hmm. and I would put that up against maybe any of the actual Sandler movies. Maybe fifty for not fifty. I'm sorry. Maybe Wedding Singer or Big Daddy are in conversation as rivaling how much I enjoy Brooklyn Nine Nine. Uh, I don't think any of his other movies come close. For in my opinion, I know people love Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore fall all over themselves loving those movies. But uh, to me, I was more of the big daddy person, the wedding sure. singer, stuff that was more rooted in reality for me and less of the, I'm a weirdo, you know, type of shit. So uh, I like that. But we were just arguing this if Sandberg might be more talented than Sandler overall. But I don't know. Well, he's got one thing. It's just like in the NBA when you, you can't teach height. <laughs> Sandler, you can't teach charisma. Yeah, that's a great You can't point, teach dude. charm. You can't teach likability. Right? And he yeah. just has it in spades, and it's effortless. He does. 
So that's that's a talent in and of itself, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to say he honed it, because perhaps he did. I don't know. But so, yeah, he's more talented. He, just he seems more real, right, that people can gravitate to him and it, and kind of attach to him and, and feel like that's a dude I would like to know in real life. Um, and not that Sandberg doesn't have that, but I just think Sandler has it. And it's a great point you bring up as I think about it, Matt. Sandler has it more in spades than than the, it just than Sandberg does. He does. When you watch Sandler, uh, Sandberg, sometimes you can tell he's trying to make a joke. <laughs> yeah, it's like Romano in the early days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, and on his show, Sandberg, yeah. I never get that. He just kind of you know giggles or stumbles his way into yeah. whatever he's thinking about. Yeah, uh, yeah. But yeah, who has more intellectual, astute view of comedy? I would say Sandberg. Yeah, yeah, because he can dissect more abstract ideas or uh boil something down to the dumbest of but it's a it's kind of a discussion in itself about the overall scope of what he's like anyway mm-hmm. whereas sandberg is i'm just gonna do this voice but somehow yeah that doing a voice or changing his posture and all that just eh. yeah you're right because water boy shouldn't work in any way shape or form but Kinda it does, does for a lot of people and I like does. Even little Nikki people defend. That's where, like, that's where I felt the line had been crossed and there was no going back. But people still defend little Nikki. Look, and- I don't blame him for that. Okay. And certainly enough people want to see grownups where we got a grownups too, man. So, you know, it's interesting. It's just interesting. Yeah. Okay. Ah, all right. Where are we at? My five. Yes. Yes. Okay. My five is uh, the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. Go for it. Dude, I thought this film was like you going to see Warrior. I went to see this film and I'm like, oh, this is going to be massive. This is going to be a Best Picture nominee. This is going to get Brad Pitt sure. a fucking nomination. Andrew Dominic, who directed it, might be nominated Best Picture. And the film absolutely fell apart at the box office. Casey Affleck, this is the beginning, kind of one of the beginning movies of Casey Affleck showing mm-hmm. what he can do as an actor. It's the West. It's Jesse James. Like, I just thought this is such an Americana film. People are going to come in droves to see this thing. And it f- didn't do a damn thing at the box office. And I'm shocked. It's still one of the mo- greatest modern Westerns ever made. Yes. Uh, and it's you're never tired when you watch the movie uh, of it. And look at the actors that are involved. Uh, Sam Rockwell is in this thing as well. Sam Shepard is in this thing as well. Yeah. Uh, we get Zoe Deschanel at the end there. Mm-hmm. but so much, And Mary Louise Parker. But so much is about the chemistry between uh brad pitt and casey affleck and it really carries you through the whole damn movie and it's just utterly shocking hell uh what's his face um uh jesus christ i don't know why i'm blanking today my mind isn't working hawkeye uh jeremy renner uh, uh, jeremy Renner. renner's in this thing as well so there's so many good actors throughout this movie yet somehow um it doesn't work for it didn't work for people in mass and it still hasn't worked for people in that. Yeah, I don't it's I don't shocking. know if it doesn't work for people. So it did it did worse than I was expecting, but I didn't expect it to be when you see something like that, I assume it's going to make its budget and everybody be happy because it then if it gets up for award season, then yeah. they get the bump of either nominated for or potentially one and that's where they make their money with a movie like that. Because it's also a western. What was the last big hit western? Um Magnificent 7? No Country for Old Men. That's a Western. That's okay. a Western. Yeah, but that counts. Give me strictly when you look at it, you know it's a Western, whereas No Country, you have to watch it to know it's a Western. You know what I mean? You don't see the trailer for No Country and go, that's a Western. He's wearing a cowboy. Whereas, 
Um, he is, but it's also there's trucks. Hold on. <laughs> so Sorry. hold on. Let me. I want. It's to... a modern western. I 100 percent agree with you. But when yeah, you see yeah. the trailer, the okay. average person doesn't go western. They think, oh, it's a g- drama for adults. Well, and another thing around this thing is too is like this is Pitt, uh, Ocean's Thirteen, Babel is around this time, Burn After Reading, Benjamin Button, and Glorious Bastards. That's all within three years of assassination of Jesse James. So he is, you can st- you could argue he is s- still in the bankable section of his career where he can bring people into a movie. Theater. He's never been bankable. That's why I thought. What? He's never been bankable, technically speaking. He's more of a star than he is. So give me his biggest hits. Hold on. I'm saying monetarily wise. It's if you go outside of oceans, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be like Mister Mrs. Smith seven. or Hollywood. Uh, Once upon a time from Hollywood, seven right. didn't do well. I think seven well, did, did well. Okay. Yes, it was. A, I, I don't know. How, do well. I don't know how Legends of the Fall. I'm, I'm sure it did an average. Did Twelve Monkeys. Nothing. <laughs> you don't know that. You're just guessing. I know. I I've looked this up at one point because yeah, it became Fight Club uh, Snatch. Snatch it to find the Mexican didn't do well. I didn't see spy. I didn't know how spy game spy did. Spy game. I think it maybe made its budget. And as you said, oceans maybe. 11, Troy, Troy did well, not great, but it did well. Okay. That's Mr. stretching it, but okay. Mr. And Mrs. Smith. I think that did well. Curious case of Benjamin Button. I don't know how that did. I don't, I don't, I think it did fine at best. Moneyball did well. Uh, Sure. Um, I don't think Killing Them Softly did well, but nope. Did World War Z do well? I don't know. World I, War Z do it did well. If World War Z did well, we w- would have had a sequel by now. They've been trying to do one for years, exactly. Yeah, but if a movie looks like it's going to be a hit, there's always those mm. stories of the director being interviewed and said, <laughs> "I was contacted over the opening weekend to lock up a sequel and try and set some sort of ballpark for a release date." Yeah, it might be an interesting point you make here, man. Fury didn't do. Well, no. uh, even though it's a damn good movie. Um, yeah. And then Ad Astra. Ad Astra uh, did okay. Did not do well. Did yeah. not do great. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe, uh, maybe you, you could start. The Big okay. Short technically is a small part of that, and that did well. Yeah, The Big Short, but that's an ensemble piece. I'm exactly. Oceans. I'm trying to remove all so the he's, ensemble He's not pieces. a bankable star. I guess. Well, Coupled with Western. You said it. I did. I, look, I love Brad Pitt. I see. I've seen every almost every one of those movies that was on the list yeah, that you just yeah. gave. I, I'm a big Brad Pitt fan. Right. Um, it's just not bankable. No, he's okay. just not. It's, it's, I, people love him and don't go to see his movies. Well, I just thought at the time that it was he was uh, he was enough to drag people into that theater to see his stuff. Yeah, so. I think for people like us, yeah, hundred percent. Oh yeah, absolutely. But I think All Western right. immediately turns off such a huge chunk of people. Which is crazy because people are so about America. It's incredible to me and how they don't Western fertile ground, an American genre. Yeah. Not even fertile Western. ground for drama that we can all yeah. identify with and relate to. It's the only American. Anyway, all right, let's keep going. Uh, what's the uh, what's your next one? Uh, my four, four is Deep Water Horizon. Oh, that was the punt. Okay, go ahead, yeah. my man. Um, I didn't see it until it was on streaming, so mm. I, I guess I'm part of the problem because I, I thought it was just going to be. <laughs> Yes, well, I thought it was going to be like a, a disaster movie, like a Pete Berg disaster movie to me. And I was like, right. eh. And then upon seeing it, like, dude, excellent performances from everybody across the board. Yep. Just massive ensemble and every person is taking their job 
seriously and are dialed in. And it's a beautiful what transpired over like just the chaos Mm -hmm. that ensued. It's it's intense from every individual's perspective that is going through it. Even the boat that is not that's like off on the side. Yeah. Their stuff goes haywire. Um, just this build of compounding problem on top of compounding problem. It's got the right amount of tension and pace. Uh, the visuals are great. It's yeah. a, it's tough. It'd be somewhat tough story to understand all the systems as they failed throughout and from all the different perspectives. And Pete Berg does a great job in the pacing of that. I just, you see it and you're like, okay, so 2012 does well enough to where they wish they could make a sequel, but this doesn't. Doesn't make any sense to me. Um, it's kind of like only the brave. It's like, how did this not do well? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Good point. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the budget on that had to be like fifteen million. You tell me that thing didn't make fifty? It's crazy. That's a good point. I mean, like people love disaster movies. Uh, you do you can look at the. You can look at the standard. People love disaster movies, and Deepwater Horizon, Horizon is certainly a disaster movie. Um, you've got this, uh, you've got, uh, Mark Wahlberg at what you would argue is the height of his ability to bring people into a theater, Peter Berg and him doing lone survivors. So people knew and liked that movie. So seeing them combine, they liked Patriots day. I think that did well as well. So you got this, this combo of them coming back together and you're telling in essence, yet again, an American story, this idea of oil, uh, uh, what happened with this uh, uh, mm-hmm. crash, what happened with this explosion. You've got what Malkovich is in this thing. I think Kurt Russell's in this thing. Is that correct? Yeah, or, Kurt Russell, yeah. uh, Mark Wahlberg. Wahlberg, yeah, um, yeah. The heavyset guy from My Name is Earl and uh, Blow. Oh, um, Ethan Suppley. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Ethan Suppley. He was also in uh, Unstoppable and yes. guys had a great career. Yes, he has. And, um, and and Malkovich is like the uh, corrupt yeah, a guy for the company. Exec. Yeah. So you've got um, all these combinations and you think for sure this and Kate Hudson as well. You think mm-hmm. this is going to be something that might bring people into the theater. And then when you see the box, I feel like, what the fuck happened here? So it just was a big and it's a damn. I would argue it's the best Peter Berg, Wahlberg combination. Yeah. Lone Survivor is good. Deepwater Horizon is yeah. damn good. Like Lone Survivor is, you know, is that it's good. Yeah, it's good. This is an exploration of this man's life. And I think this is one of the best Wahlberg acting performances as well. And that sequence when shit starts popping off inside uh, the rig and stuff explodes, Kurt Russell's acting in that sequence is stellar, man. Mm -hmm. Absolutely stellar. So there's so much uh, about Deepwater Horizon that I'm so shocked that people don't uh, had, didn't see this thing or didn't go out and see this thing and give it some love for sure. Yeah. All right. So that was my four, your previous. So what's your four? Oh yeah. So my four is out of sight. The Soderbergh film. Okay. Yeah. That one did dick. And it was made for like, I think for like 45, $50 million. It made like 10, it made nothing. And Again, this is the height of Clooney. This is Clooney being a bankable. You've got Jennifer Lopez. You've got these combining with Soderbergh, who had been making his name slowly but surely since uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. They're coming together. I think it's 1990. You've got Bing Rames, who arguably is, is someone who brings people into us. He can't lead a film, but he's someone who brings people in. gives you another element to it. Mm-hmm. And it's a cool – and Get Shorty made money, so you think out of sight – which is essentially, yes. I think it's another Elmore Leonard uh, uh, adaptation. Yeah, I believe so. You're right. Well, we'll do so as well. And it is, it's a sexy fucking movie. 
It's an incredibly well-directed movie. It's a smart caper, uh, and you have some great sequences, and you've got Don Cheadle, Steve Zahn in this thing, Michael Keaton, Dennis Farina. There's so much about this movie that I thought was going to be gangbusters mm-hmm. in the box office. And this is around the time, a little bit, a few years after Pulp Fiction, and like I said, Get Shorty. So it's still kind of riding that 90s wave. And for whatever reason, this one just absolutely crashed and burned at the box office. I remember... Yeah. Cause I was at Florida state when this thing came out I was in town. And I just remember driving um, uh, down the road and someone had either called me or I had read somewhere about it, maybe in a magazine while I was in the store about the box office for this movie. And I was just driving and thinking, I was like, how could this happen? Like it was my first experience uh, with, with a film that I saw that I thought was great and just didn't make any money. And I couldn't understand why. And it was just like surprising to me on so many levels. Cause it's such a great film. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even think about it, but uh, so it yeah. only made like 10 at the box office? I think it was like 10 or 11. Wow. It wasn't even then that it, much. I, that would merit making my list because it's, if it was like 40 to 50, movies good enough, you assume it's not going to be huge, but 90. Oh. 95 is possible yeah, to me. Maybe, yeah. Let me see here. Out of sight, box office mojo. Yeah. $12 million. And the budget um, was. And the budget was where's the oh yeah Mojo doesn't do budgets anymore. Hold on, let me look at the Wikipedia. Some of them they do, some of them they don't. Yeah, it's weird. Because I was verifying was a bunch of my picks on here. Forty-eight million. The budget was forty-eight million. Yeah, that merits making it. Oof. So pretty tough situation there. Um. So it's right. say it made seventy-seven worldwide. So maybe yeah, I factored in the worldwide into mine too. Yeah, yeah. So if maybe, it ended up overall, still forty-eight. That's you got to make two and a half times that. That's one hundred fifty million dollars. Didn't come close to that. So still a a in my opinion still a crash. Um. All right. Yeah. James makes a great point about Deepwater Horizon. I don't know what they were thinking. Spending one hundred fifty million dollars on Deepwater Horizon. That's a great. I think they were thinking this is an American story. Yeah. This will appeal to blue collar people and white collar people. Let's get them in here. But yeah. 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 The greed wasn't from us. Not right. American oil and energy interests. It was BP, the British Petroleum. Mm-hmm. Coming back here and trying to take tea out of our harbor. And guys, we just we can't fucking let them do that. No, you can't let them do that. So you got to so appeal to us on that level. <laughs> and Malkovich doing a weird Cajun. Malkovich loves his accents. That's yeah, it's he, like, a, yeah, it's cartoonish James Carville. Um, hey, so now. Anyway. hey, now. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, what are we at? Your three. <laughs> that was for four. My three is. Uh, Treasure Planet. Oh yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a late cut, my man. I was really close to putting that on the list, but in my mind, I was like, who was clamoring for a uh, you know a Treasure Island reboot or animated True. reboot? So that's that was the thing I dinged it for, which is why it didn't make my list. But Please go ahead, my man. This isn't Treasure Island from any old asshat. It's from <laughs> Disney. That's yeah, true, and from the guys who did Little Mermaid. Yeah, exactly. But it has the Disney pedigree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, You're like, oh, amazing. Now, some people chalk it up to it wasn't a princess movie. Maybe. Maybe. That's a possibility. That is their bread and butter. Go look at their, you know, canon of film. Yep. yep, Um, Absolutely. I I find 
I understand the reasoning that you would draw that conclusion from. I don't, I don't know, having seen the movies, like how in the world was this not a massive hit? Like mm-hmm. that all my nieces and nephews and young cousins would have been watching once it came on to like, it would just be added to the pile of kids movies at yeah. whoever's house. And it would be on, I would have seen it numerous times by the time I saw it instead of right. seeing it, you know, right. uh, after the fact, uh, just crazy to me. It's a great, it's one of Disney's best in the past. I don't know, 15, 20 years. I agree. Um, I agree. So that just, it's in, it's in hindsight of, of all the Disney movies to not succeed wildly. Cause Lion King remake does 1.6 billion. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Shot for shot remake. It does 1.6 billion. It's Disney for Christ's sakes. Now they weren't exactly that full on a, a juggernaut as they are today with, you know, their Lion King, Star Wars, Marvel. They've got it kind of dialed in a little bit more now. Right. But Absolutely. Still, they were a bankable film company. Mm-hmm. And this thing lost money at the box office. Yeah. Crazy talk. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's a great point where you bring up the idea of it not having a princess. I think it's an interesting point. You bring up it, that, uh, that it's a Disney film that should have worked in Treasure Island. There have been like 35 fucking incarnations yeah. of that movie. So something about that story um, resonates resonates with people and certainly resonates with executives to want them to keep remaking the story and thinking there's money at the end of that rainbow. So yeah, you're surprised. Right? Plus it's one of the best animated films uh, that Disney produced that nobody fucking talks about this. Know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's shocking to me. Beautiful melding of computer animation with the hand drawn. Yeah. Um, and they do it in a, a lot of the bigger sci-fi element pieces, like yeah. the ship, uh, the, you know, uh, that flies through space and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all computer generated. Isn't that the Jolly Roger? Isn't that the ship they're on? I forget. Is that the Should ship? be on on Treasure. Yeah. Should be. I never read also, the book. Also, that one, Atlantis and the Lost Empire, as well. Like both of those films, yeah. deserve way more love on the Disney uh, side of things than they get for sure. You know. But Treasure Planet works much better for me. I like Atlantis. Hmm. Um, I think it's yeah. interesting and unique, but. Uh, I don't know. Treasure Planet was just a a refreshing take on an old gem. Yeah. And they spent $140 million on this fucking movie, dude. They did terrible at the box office, too. Yeah, it was like 106 overall or something like that. Wow. Yeah, you've got Joseph Gordon-Levitt, David Hyde Pierce, Emma Thompson, Martin Short, Lori Mm -hmm. Metcalf. This is a good cast. Even Peter Cullen. Optimus Prime's in this thing as Captain Nathaniel Flint. And nobody saw it. Nobody saw it. Whew, such a shame. Such a shame. Like I said, it's the guys who did Little Mermaid who came together to do this one. So Ron Clements and John Musker. So just completely surprised by it not doing well overall. They also did Aladdin and Hercules. So. Riding high. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's a shame. What? They did Big Hero 6? Those were the same. No, it's a different guy. All right. Anyway, let's move forward. Uh, where are we at right now? My three Your or my three. two? My three is Fight Club, which you mentioned earlier. Okay. I mean, I mean, you got Ed Norton coming out of Primal Fear. You got Brad Pitt in the best True. shape of his life. Um, It's Fincher. And so to me, I'm thinking this is box office gold. Uh, And then the film comes out and it's it sparks 
all these highfalutin articles about masculinity and toxic masculinity from people who didn't get that they were skewering toxic masculinity in yeah. this movie, not promoting it. Uh, and all so basically that's what ended up sinking the film for the long run was a lot of word of mouth bashing the movie. Yet the film is fucking excellent. I still defend it and love it. I think what it's got to say when it's skewering the toxic masculinity is genius, but there's also an element where it defends a little bit of that masculinity as well inherently in the story, which I think is important too. Mm -hmm. uh, so all of it overall, I just thought for sure this thing was going to make bank and it barely made anything uh, in comparison to its budget. So yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's once it got the DVD is when it, it took off. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that happened to be when I saw it, but I was part of the people that skipped it in the theater. Yeah. Uh, but I did see seven in the theater. It's fighting. I thought so too. Guys getting together and knocking each other's lights out. I thought for sure that would inspire dudes to come in mass to see this it, movie. But maybe they seemed, thought Brad was too pretty. Maybe they were like Brad and Ed were too pretty. It know. seemed too slick from the trailer. Mm. It had, it felt like uh, it, like they'd learned all the tricks and mm -hmm. were using it like we do these type of cuts and we use this music and it has this aesthetic and it felt very much of the moment as opposed to making a lasting contribution. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't read the book. Right. I had a vague understanding of who the author was. So I didn't know much about going into it. I think that's that's where it also suffered from. And it's an indictment on our materialistic society. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there, there's all of that. How many people want to go into a film and necessarily, oh, I'm sorry, and confront, um, you know, being told that they are slaves to commerce? Not a lot of people want to be told that. They kind of like the things that they can buy and populate their rooms with or houses with or apartments with because that kind of signifies a little bit of comfort to them. But it's, I think these were necessary conversations to have at a time. And they're even more necessary now when you look at the amount of money Amazon made during the uh, COVID situation and how little they were paying their workers and how much shit their workers were going through just to be able mm -hmm. to make that money for them. So this idea of being slaves to commerce, uh, I think, is an important one that's still even more so today is the conversation we should be having and should be having multiple films kind of showcasing that to us and documentaries as well. But yeah, overall, though, when you strip it all down, it's two dudes in fantastic shape going at each other in a ring, sweaty guys. I thought even women would show up to this one and give it a lot of love. But in the end, not so much. So yeah. uh, there we go. Oh, yeah. Dale says, how many times did I watch the DVD testing job? A million times, Dale, because there was so many special features on the special edition that came out. One pass of that entire two discs took about six hours so it was insane to work on that fucking disc that was a whole day for sure um mm -hmm. all right where are we going uh my i guess uh two two yes is uh the iron giant the punt from earlier okay. yeah great choice bud for look i mean it doesn't have like a huge voice cast but mm. the look of it is unique yeah, it fits the story that they're telling really well. But you have young boy and his best friend robot that should honestly appeal to every child in us. Mm -hmm. uh, 
coupled with it has a Christmas feel to it. So this thing could be played at Christmas on top of outside of that year round. But you have this extra little hook of it's got Christmas uh, in it type of thing. That's why, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Donner, who did uh, Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Richard Donner, yeah. He tried to include Christmas in as many movies as he could because it would get extra airtime at that time of year and yeah. more people would watch it again if he could manage to incorporate Christmas into it. Smart so it's just a fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it has, it's got, it's got all these little outside on top of it is awesome. Yeah. It is every child's dream type of thing come manifest before you. The big bad government coming in trying to take him, and uh, maybe yeah. he was a murder machine before, but he's not now. He's a good dude. I can vouch for him. Trust me, I'm good people. <laughs> I, I don't know. I I don't see how any parent, the one parent that takes their kid to this, doesn't tell ten other parents. Yeah, that one's really good. They'll love it, and so will you. And it just does great numbers at the box office. It makes no sense to me. Yeah, it's one of those rare ones that like this is a, but maybe. It's weird in animation. Like when you try to elevate the genre in animation, it kind of turns people off a little bit. How dare you? Yeah, I'm just saying. How dare you? What a backhanded compliment. (laughs) You guys can't help it, but be idiots. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like I think it's it's an elevated approach to the story. You know, it's a heartfelt approach. The animation is unique in its in its tell. Like Klaus, Klaus didn't make. Klaus didn't do that well uh, on inter- on Netflix in terms of the um, clicks and the views and whatever. Uh, uh, it got nominated, but Klaus is also an unusual, unusually animated uh, film. Yeah. Uh, so, and I think Iron Giant has that unusual animation to it as well. But you've got Jennifer Aniston, you've got Harry Connick Jr., and that's Vin Diesel who's playing the voice of. But Iron at the same Giant. time, you could have stopped at that point when that released. We've got Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Right. At that time. Yeah. Yeah. Harry Connick is not a draw and Vin Diesel hadn't had his fasts in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I don't know how many people knew who he was. Right. Right. So it's just but you get this idea that this is a film that's going to do well. Look, none of those Disney princesses are well-known names that drag people into box office. It's only because they or into theaters. Rather, it's only because the the overall film works and they're uh, part of the overall greatness of those films. But like so with this situation, you have Jennifer Aniston. That should be something that gets you into theater. And it's a boy and his dog. It's, it's in essence, a boy and his dog story, like Bumblebee, like so many other films have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it has a tragic ending that's very reminiscent of what we see later on from Big Hero 6. You know, this sure. whole idea of sacrificing yourself for the overall good. And maybe that's what it is. It's cause the, tra- the tragic ending maybe uh, turns some people off from but it. But there's maybe. a little bit of hope. Yeah, there Ultimately. is. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. At the end. But it just, I, I don't know. Part of it too. Got all the magic ingredients for I should have been told about this before I had to tell kids about it. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. should have been run up. Have you seen Iron Giant? Iron Giant is so good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's my two. Some people still talk about it. Um, all right. So then my two is The Insider, the Michael Mann film. Okay. How bad did it lose? It uh, it may it was uh, uh oh, well, let me see it was made for seventy million dollars, uh, and it I think it opened with nine or something like that. It was uh, it did sixty worldwide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It okay. went on. It all it went on to make twenty nine million dollars in North America. That's it, uh, and it had a ninety million dollar budget. 
So that was the budget. <sighs> on, Ninety Man, million. Dollars. Having seen the Insider, where did yeah. that ninety million go? And I think the movie is excellent. <laughs> yeah, the movie I think the movie is. is excellent. Yeah, but in no way should that thing. So Russell Crowe and Pacino took their full checks. I don't know. I imagine they did, and they and had why to. Wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? This is one year before Russell goes on that two-year streak of Gladiator yeah. and A Beautiful Mind. So certainly, he's a guy who is showing you what he can do. Uh, and I think LA Confidential was a couple of years before that, and it's Pacino, you know. And you got this combo well, and another, Michael Mann, who people loved. Michael Mann. Yeah, Pacino's Michael. another non-bankable star. How dare you? How he's not. Dare you? Look, I, who doesn't love Al Pacino, man? He is awesome. Ooh, but- I- his movies, Sin of a Woman did well. Yes. Godfather he's got a whole did well. string. Well, God, Godfather. Okay, I'm talking in the past 25 years. Well, that's different. He's like 80 years yeah, old. Yeah, but now. the movie you're talking about is in that time span. That's so he's not 90s. a bankable star. <laughs> it's still Pacino. Carlito's Way, Scent of a Woman. Scent of a Woman, I'm sure, made money. I know. God, for Godfather Part 3, sadly, did make money. It did, but he made whatever. Donnie Brasco is 97. How big a hit do you think that was? Devil's Advocate? It, Devil's Advocate, I think, did okay. Come His memory now. serves. Come on now. And Donnie Brasco, I think, is one of it's one of my favorite mob movies. Yeah. Uh I think it did all right at the box office. I don't think it was a big Donnie Brasco. Fucking well, yeah. Donnie Brasco. Uh the film. Here we go. Uh Made for thirty five, it made one hundred and twenty five million dollars. Wow, that's way better. I figured it would have been more like a forty forty million dollar clear. He's a bankable guy. All right, well, go through. What about Devil's Advocate? Take a look right now. (laughs) Try to win this point. Because my guess is that one's a higher budget, and they scored. They they crossed a hundred, but maybe it cost seventy to make. Hold on, nineteen. Oh wait, hold on. Nineteen ninety seven (coughs) film budget fifty seven million. Okay. Made 153 million. Whoa, really? Yeah. Okay, well, then I'm wrong. I am wrong. I said, look it up. It's here on No uh, way that made 153 million. On Wikipedia, 157. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, yeah. It's not like I have facts to contradict that. So Six, I yes. have to. 61 million North America, 92 million worldwide. So. Yeah. That was, I think that was Keanu, though, more than. I mean, I'll give you, I'll give you yeah. a, on that point that it. That was more Keanu than Pacino, but the combo of the both of both of them. Plus, it's the devil stuff. People love devil stuff. So the the inside is right after Devil's Advocate. Two years after Devil's Advocate, Matt, and then yeah. any given Sunday is right after that. Which we, you know, whatever. I don't think that did well. I don't, I don't know if that did. Well. The inside, the insider to me is so. I kept another one off my list because it failed to make like five or seven million back from just to break even on its production. But I was oh, like, okay. it was never designed to, to make right. to make double or two and a half times. It was designed to get potentially nominated for an Oscar and then we make money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you're gambling on. Low cost but potential high reward. Any given listen. Sunday, fifty five million dollar budget, a hundred point two million box office. Yeah. That's about it's yeah. a little over. Um but not by much. Double its thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Ugh, yeah. So, yeah. So, but I think you're still give you bankable. That. Well, I'm sorry, but wrong rights. Looking at the situation, analyzing it, I I just felt like at the time this was the right thing. But maybe it was because it's about the tobacco stuff. Maybe it's because maybe people weren't like all keen on having these, uh, uh, you know, watching these kinds of movies at the time because it was reviewed so well. 
Um, and it's got a hell of a cast, as we mentioned. So maybe it's just one of these things that cuts a little too close to home. Do you know what I'm saying? Where people are like, well, I want to see a film where they're going after. The I just don't companies. know why it costs 90 million. Yeah. How the question. F- How is that possible? <laughs> and it's excellent. If you've never seen The Insider, go yeah. watch it. Um. What is his yeah. name? Who? Who are you anyway. thinking? I was trying to think of uh, Russell Crowe's character's name because they say it so many times. Don't tell me. Oh, yeah. So if yeah, I can't yeah. pull it, I, I don't want to help. Okay. I can. God, I can hear it too in mm-hmm. the the timber of Pacino's voice when he says, "I can't pull it." Pacino. <sighs> anyway, All right. so want- that was your deuce. <laughs> That's my deuce. Yes. Uh, what's your one? My one is dread. The punt from my oh life. wow. Okay, go ahead, man. Because it's on. There's so many superheroes movies coming out. They're all doing really well so long as you make a good enough movie. Yeah. So dread comes out, and it is more than good enough to be in the same conversation as practically any Marvel movie uh, or any big DC movie. Yeah. It doesn't have the name recognition on the character or Carl Urban for that matter, but that hasn't seemed to really fucking matter for a whole bunch of other different superhero movies that mm-hmm. were wildly successful. And then you see Dread and you're like, this thing is everything comic book fans should be flocking to. Why did this lose money at the box office? You guys are assholes. Yeah. You'll go see some of the schlockiest stuff, and then when something excellent comes out, you don't go see that. All right. Again, it's elevated superhero uh, film. It's an elevated superhero film. Dark Knight, man. Dark Knight is an elevated superhero film, and it is beloved. It did massive numbers at the box office. It was in potential Oscar discussion, even though that would have to come, you know, but... It certainly was the reason they went to 10. It certainly was the reason they went to 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I hear your point, but that's also Heath Ledger. You'd have gotten Batman Begins with Christian Bale. This is totally Carl totally. Urban. People didn't know yes. Carl Urban uh, or Olivia Thurlby, who is or his companion, and uh, um, Lena Headey, who's in this thing as well. Of course, Game of Thrones, but like, um, but it's a it's a excellent fucking movie, man. And it makes no sense that it is it didn't do well at the box office because superhero film when. Guardians of the Galaxy manages to be a big hit, and Chris Pratt is yeah. the star that you're relying on. And at that point, he was the quirky character from a NBC single-camera sitcom that he you may have known his name, but you yeah. haven't watched the show. He wasn't even the lead, man. You're no. Right. Yeah. He was like ninth banana on that show. <laughs> now, he was also, he got to choose scenery when he came in. I'm saying he was over the top, mm-hmm. but his character was such a big, lovable dog. Right. That your eyes were drawn to him because he was more of the chaos coming in and knocking over things with smiling. And you're like, look at this lovable son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, but nobody watched the ratings on that show were not good. Yeah. That's why I was always um, struggling uh, every yeah. year, whether it was coming or not, yeah. but it has the Marvel pedigree and it also has the promotional machine and marketing and the brain trust behind. So it's got a lot of other working parts, parts going for it, but it's an unproven director, unproven lead actor, ensemble cast, talking raccoon tree, Everybody goes to see it. Yeah. Dread is judge, jury, and executioner, but legally in the future of this dystopian wasteland. It's like, okay, you guys are like Terminator? 
This is Terminator superhero movie. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Bing, bang, boom. There we go. Why did this fail? It blew. It blows me away to this day. Yeah. And it lost money at the box office. Oh yeah. So, oh yeah. I was like, this is easily my number one because I, this should have made three times its budget. Yeah. Because I mean, the hardcore comic nerds know who Judge Dredd is. Yes. Uh, and we had the one see. crap movie before, but at least there was yeah. some sort of awareness of the character. And you see the trailer yeah. and you're like, this is a totally different take. Yeah. Um, it was released at Comic-Con in 2012. Exactly. God damn, it's been nine years since that movie came out. Jesus Christ. Um, the budget was $45 million. It only made $41 million worldwide. World, yeah, exactly. Here in the That's States, crazy. it did diddly. And Olivia Thurlby is like Anne Hathaway, another version of Anne Hathaway. Like Olivia Thurlby, I think, is a better version of Anne Hathaway, but doesn't get the opportunities that Anne Hathaway uh, has gotten uh, in her life. And it's crazy. She's a damn good actress. But, uh, you know, every time she gets close to the possibility of a hit, it's back to doing the smaller films. If people don't know who Olivia Thurlby is, she's Juno's best friend in the movie, Elliot Page's best friend in that movie. Mm -hmm. So... She's done a number of things that have gotten her close to that, but can't quite get over. But yeah, I hear you. And it's a comic book movie, you would think for sure. And Stallone did. I bet Stallone made more money with Judge Dredd than Dredd did with Carl Urban. Yeah. 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 And that was at a time that superhero movies did not come out. That's true. Yeah. And this is at a time where people cannot get enough of superhero movies. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> so, I mean, eventually this this will pass. Yeah. There's no way to it. Just it's inevitable. I think so too. I think I think eventually there would be. It has to. Do you think it's the character though? Do you think it's the character? I don't know. The mask. I don't know. Just throwing it out there. Anyway, so that's my one. Okay, it's a good choice, brother man. All right, so my number one is uh, yeah, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay, I think Uh, international it made money or. It covered its budget. But yeah, that's why it didn't make my list. Great choice, though. Should have been huge. Should have been massive, especially because, I mean, I imagine you're commissioning this because you sense that people do want to see this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, the budget was $185 million. Fuck. Uh, it did make 260 overall, but that's not anywhere not close enough. to covering its budget. So to me, that's it was a massive flop. Um it's an incredible film from Denis Villeneuve. Phenomenal performances from everybody involved in the film. Um, visually stunning movie. The score from Benjamin Wolfish, who did the Invisible Man score, mm-hmm. is uh, as good as anything Van Gelis did in the original. And people knew about the Blade Runner film. Like people, Yes, that had been a box office failure when it came out in 81 or 82, whenever it came out, 82, I think. And so people knew that that was a failure. So I thought, you know, people are going to come in mass to show their love for this movie. But in the end, it seems like it was as cult of a hit uh, as ever. And even the sequel got caught up in uh, the fact that it was just a cult hit and not a mainstream pop culture massive hit. That yeah. people wanted to go and also probably the runtime i can't deny that maybe two hours and 45 minutes wasn't something people wanted to experience although i've never felt that movie was slow when i've watched it so but you turn off a huge swath of movie going audiences yeah once they hear 245 you just do yeah 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 
It's true. That's true. I mean, because it's just, it's such a long, it's 163 minutes. So that's a long ass movie to put people through uh, when you're not talking about Endgame or Infinity War. So uh, in the end, yeah, it just didn't, uh, it didn't do what it needed to do. But you got Batista, Jared Leto, uh, Anna de Armas, Sylvia Hoax is great, Harrison Ford, and Ryan Gosling. And Ryan Gosling's at that mm-hmm. stage in his career where he can bring people into a theater just by putting him in the lead of a movie. I mean, fucking La La Land did so much money. Um, what's the other? There was a number of other films. See, oh yeah, Crazy Stupid Love. He made money off of that. So, like to me, I just didn't understand how this thing could fall apart the way it did. Yeah. Um, and uh, in the end, it's nothing you can do about it. You, you people like it or don't like this world. Sadly, we'll probably never see a third one. Um, even though we should. Who knows? Never say never. It'll yeah. be a while. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's like okay, we'll do it again, but keep it under two hours. This is the budget, blah, blah, blah. Or possibly maybe this is a TV show instead. I would love that. I would yeah. fucking love that. You do a noir-ish TV show, 10 episodes. Oh, that would be great, man. Um, so good. I'd be down with that. Yeah. As you, build, you have to add in a little bit more action. Yeah, yeah. Just sure. to carry you, but just got okay. all the makings of it. Anyway. Yeah. It's a great choice. It just, it made, once it, I saw it was plus, even though I knew the marketing budget probably yeah. bro- broke even-ish. I was like, I, it's so close. It's on the line. I, I didn't include the master because that's my example of, it made like five to seven less than its budget. Yeah. But unless it got nominated or in serious discussion, it was never going to be a big box office draw. Yeah. Good point. Good point. It just wasn't. It wasn't designed for that. Right. Um, all right. Well, there's our separate lists. Uh, let's put this thing together. Um, I don't have any bongos. I had to throw them away because they're cut up now, uh, unfortunately. So uh, I'll just be using the desk, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Jay Golden Eyes, I've got to reach out and give you the link to a set of bongos on Amazon. So my apologies. I haven't gotten around to that. I will absolutely get that to you sometime in the next few days, maybe even today. Um, all, all right. right. Let's do this. So, Dread, you had where? Uh, Dread was my number eight. Iron Giant, you had where? Seven. Deepwater Horizon? Ten. Scott Pilgrim? Nine. Okay. None of those went out. So, we have Dread at one seven, correct? Uh, one eight. One eight. So, it was Iron Giant at seven. Mm. One seven to me... It makes the most sense, I guess. Did they start the list? Yeah. All right. If nothing else in common, close enough that to me trumps that. Yeah. 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 Um, so, then so technically, Iron Giant would be two seven. Do you want to do that there, or do you want Blade Runner? Uh, I'd like to have Blade Runner, and then we could do Iron Giant. All right. All right. Let's see. Treasure Planet, you don't have. Uh, no. What number was that for you? Three. We have okay. Deepwater at 410 and Scott Pilgrim at 59. Is that right? Yeah, nine. Yeah, nine on my list. So do you want to do Deepwater 410 then beats 59? So Deepwater at four? Sure. Deepwater at four. And we might have to flip for our threes. Well, no, I have my the insider still left on my list at number two. At number two, yeah. Um, sure, why not? Who cares? All right, then let's say 
Scott Pilgrim, since that's our next in common. Yeah, I'm cool with that. And then have anything else in common. So uh, I got Treasure Planet at three. Right. Right. And I got Fight Club at three as well. Oh, okay. We, no, uh, we don't need we don't need to flip. It's fine. Don't sweat it. All right, next highest. Uh so we did you put that on there? Yep. Uh um we Fight Club. Two spots okay. left. Four out of sight. Out of sight it is. Okay. And what's your next highest? Uh, assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford at five. Okay. Was that in there? Nice. I have my number six at uh, okay. Terminator Dark Fate. Gotcha. Cool. Good to go. All right. Here we go. All right, ladies and gentlemen. The top 10 great movies that bombed at the box office. Yeah. At number 10. The Assassination of Jesse James by the Coward, Robert Ford. <laughs> At number nine. Out of sight. At number eight. Fight Club. At number seven. Treasure Planet. At number six. Scott Pilgrim. At number five. The Insider. At number four. Deep Water Horizon. At number three. The Iron Giant. At number two. Blade Runner 2049. And our number one movie that bombed, great movie that bombed to the box office is Dread. Dread. Um, Got that in 4K. I can't wait to watch it in 4K. I'm looking forward to it. And then we have uh, David's list if you want to do that. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, David said, uh, thanks for choosing my topic. For my list, I went with movies that massively underperformed on release and should have been huge hits. I excluded the likes of Citizen Kane and It's a Wonderful Life, as they undoubtedly have a major spot in film history, uh, regardless of how successful they initially were. Some of my picks are now revered, respected, but my criteria was that they all had to flop before they found an audience. Ten is pop star, never stop, never stop. Nine (laughs) is Treasure Planet. Eight is Clue. Seven, Donnie Dargo. Six, Solo, A Star Wars Story. Mm. Five, Shawshank Redemption. Four, Blade Runner 2049. Three, Zodiac. Two, Almost Famous, One, Children of Men. Ooh, Zodiac. Well, I think with Zodiac, I kind of felt the three-hour movie wasn't going to do well. Yeah, and it made somewhere right around its budget, so I cut it for that reason. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Good choices. I like these choices. Yeah, great choices. Yeah. Shawshank, I've had have to look up. I assumed it made a little bit over its budget, something along those lines. No, what happened was it didn't do well initially, the twenty, but then they re-released it after the Oscar nominations, and it got oh, to like 15, then it 16 million. Up. That's why I that's why I nixed it off my list. Okay, it did eventually get there. So, yeah, um, all right, are we getting into our shout outs here? Yes, we are. But our thanks to David Mitchell Baker. Excellent topic, thanks. man. Yeah, thank you, DMB. And, uh, Great stuff. Uh, yeah, so this is what we do at the end of every month for those that donate over at patreon.com forward slash the top 10 with the number 10. Um, at $5 and above, you get a shout out at the end of the month. It's our way of saying thank you for supporting us. And uh, do you want to start this time? Yeah, I, mean, I think this is the first time we've done it live. I think, maybe. Oh, could be. Could be. All right, let's go. Mason Sasser. Uh, just says Robbie. Yeah, Pele Cole. Eric Taylor. Deepak Mawar. David Steven. Christine Birnat. Andrew Robinson. Francisco Ramirez. Michael Bauer. Colton Thompson. Uh, Heinrich 
Winterland. Uh, Tom Daniel Williams. Phil Knuckles. Ryan Latonin. Ray Rosh. Colson Coleopolis. Philippe Hunt. Callie Onkin. Justin Kelly. Lachlan Skinner. Charles Kim. Joseph Curran. Fred Castillo. Edward Wilshire. J. Scotty St. Clair. Yo. Charles J. Clark. Zachariah Kaufman. J.D. Sean Labua. Francisco J. Torres. Connor Teal. Michael D. Dyke. Uh, Robert Francesco Suarece. Uh Tim Reimert. Or Sorace, rather. Uh, Dominic Greaves. Eric Bruin. Matt Simmons. Kyle Beckworth. Jeff Kelly. Jeremy Bowers. James Betty. Billy Gilliams. Christopher Brockman. Blake Gant. Haley Morton. Cameron Chapman. Alex Russell. Bobby Michael. Daniel McCarty. Paul Cree. Drew Burkhart. Stacy Flores. Luke Allison. Mark Fawcett. Uh, Kristen Kurtz. Bobby Carney. Gareth Weldon. Ian Horner. Timothy R. Williams. Hey, mate. Chris Lemke. In Love with Movie Movies podcast, Nick Baldwin. Uh, Johanna Linavirta. JIC317. J, uh, DJ Red Hot Cox. Ahmad Ali. Darren Bush. Angela Dashner. Louis Berrigan. Josh Lawrence. Chelsea Lewis. Adelardo Fuente. Reagan Lovig. Rodrigo Valverde III. Manuel Rivera. Lawrence Witt. Andre Constantinescu. Steve Schluckebeyer. Uh, Catherine Samuels. Houston Bodily. Roque Orellana. Uh, Maurice Robinson. Alan Stavalovagas Bennett. Marcus Davenport. Brandon Caridi. Ravi Prasad. Joe Farrelly. Charlie McKenna. Mark Menchaka. Josh Mabry. Matthew Jansen. Ben Cartwright. John Douse. Juan Reyes. Josh Murphy. Josh Sachs. George Menchaca. Dale Varley. Cody Markham. Phil Meglia. Chris Consiglio. Wayne Murphy. Ashley Prowls. Johanna Schmidt. Uh, Sujayanth Fernando. Ian Brick. Beltran Lopez. Evan Zoller. Thorsten Amuler. Zach Butts. Jacob Pullen. Philip Lane. Kevin Foss. Jen Kemp. Ryan McKenna. Andy Tan. Brian Akins. Mike Shea. Alexander Marzonia. Sup, Alex? Garth Wizenant. Deborah Torres. Mike Barrington. Ed Buzzkirk. Jeff Saliba. Noel Kelleher. Jim Payne. David Mitchell Baker. Yeah, Andy Ortiz. John Keefe. Nathan Williams. Kristen Smith. Matthew Lee Cravens. Marcel Behrman. James Trapani. Drew Inns. Dan Nye. Seth Shearer. Andrew Hayes. Andrew Marker. Chris Jones. Luke Larson. Robert Haley. Joey Anthony. Christos Alexakos. And Anthony Casanova. Boom. Boom shakalaka. Thank you to everybody that supports us over at Patreon.com yeah. forward slash the top 10. We truly appreciate it. And uh, we hope you enjoyed the shout outs. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you all so much. It means the world to us. If you're listening and you haven't joined us at the Patreon, it's Patreon.com slash the top 10. Go and see all the multiple tiers you can get involved in and see how you can support the show. And now more than ever, we appreciate your support. You know, we're coming out of the COVID situation slowly but surely. Uh, people are getting back to work, getting back into things. And maybe, maybe you're finding you've got a few bucks 
to send some love to a show that's been there with you, giving you entertainment top to bottom every week without fail. And you want to support the show $5 a month, $10 a month. That's a Starbucks cup of coffee, two Starbucks cups of coffee. You can support the show with that. And you get access to send in stuff for topic thunder. And then if you go to the $50 level, you get access, you get access like today to suggest the topic. So all those things are available for you. Go and go to go and uh, see the Patreon and see what levels and tiers work for you. We'd love the support. And certainly Matt and I uh, will start exploring the possibility of getting out there live again, Matt, uh, as the show goes along, we shall see. We're a little bit away from that, but we're certainly opening up the possibility of that uh, going yeah. on. So we shall see for sure. Um, so uh, everybody, thank you so much for joining us this week. Um, Hit us up on the the all the different social medias. You can see it on the screen uh, at top ten uh, at top ten show, all spelled out on Twitter. Or if you want to head over to Instagram or YouTube, it is forward slash the top ten podcast with the number ten. And uh, please join us at all those. Uh, make your voice heard. We'd love to hear it. And you can follow me anywhere at Matt Nost. Uh, check out my other shows, Settle the Score, and uh, Dropping Dimes for some NBA playoffs. And that is it for me this week. There you go. You can always follow me at the Roca says on Twitter and on Instagram. Head on over to my YouTube channel as well, youtube.com slash John Roca says. See all the stuff we've got going on there. And of course, the Geek Buddies and the Cinephiles podcast out there for you to subscribe to as well and enjoy. All right, we're out of here. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode of the Top 10. Ooh.